Morning, church. This morning we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to be reading 1 through 6. Uh, many thanks to Phil Garish and Mark Dowdy for filling in for Jackie behind the pulpit. Um, and we continue to pray for Phil. He still has that cracked vertebrae in his back that he's healing from and the double whammy of knee surgery <laughs> not too long ago. So, And, of course, some of us have been living vicariously for, uh, through Jackie and Kathy and the rest uh, their trip back east. Uh, it's hard to spend that much time on the road and not have a few close calls, so I understand there's a few of them. And so, or one, and so we're glad that we were praying for them for their safe return here. Okay, so I'm going to be reading through the New King James Version, 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would bless your word this morning, God. We just pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our ears, and that we would recognize your voice speaking to us, Lord, through your servant, Jackie, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those that aren't able to be here tonight, for whatever reason, many are dealing with sickness, some are dealing with deaths in the family, others are dealing with spiritual problems within the marriage. So we pray that your hand will be upon those outside the church and within this church, Lord. Thank you, thank you for those that are here that have overcome some difficulties to get here, Lord, that they might be blessed by the word that goes forth from your word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Jerry. It is a blessing <clears throat> to be able to <clears throat> go on a motorcycle trip uh, across the world and not have to worry about uh, everything burning down while you were gone. And it's a blessing to have men of God around who are able to stand in the gap. So very appreciative of the leadership here at Calvary Chapel Buell <clears throat> who afforded me the opportunity to do it. Uh, one more tick off the bucket list. So uh, the tail of the dragon has been conquered multiple times and that is the funnest road you could ever ride. So if you have a motorcycle, you need to get it down to Tennessee, North Carolina, because there is no road like that road anywhere. So a lot of fun. But it's a blessing to be able to, uh, to go and have your prayers and to have safety with uh, three couples riding motorcycles all the way across 
the nation of North Carolina and back and uh, not have any um, major issues. So we thank you for your prayers uh, in that regard. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4 this morning. And as we do, I want us to remember <clears throat> we're following John. John is an incredible writer, but John is what I call a symphonic writer. He writes a letter like he writes a song. So some of, uh, some of the subjects that John brings up, he circles back to. I just want to remind us <clears throat> of where we've come from and where we're headed to. Begins by reaching out that the, the person that makes this life in Christ possible is Jesus, right? He's the one. He is the hinge upon which everything rests. But he also told us there's a problem that hinders us, and that problem is sin. And he told us what to do about it. All the way back in chapter 1, he said that we are to confess our sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is a part of the Christian life. To stay away from that which hinders, we make confession. The one who makes it possible is Jesus Christ. Then he told us the proof that we belong to him. How do I know I'm, I'm in Christ? How do I know that's real? There are two things he told us. He said, you keep his commandments and you love one another. And the idea we've talked about keeping commandments is simply the idea of treasuring that which he's asked us to do. That what the Lord has told us to do matters to us. Does it mean we perform perfectly? No, we already discussed that, right? We sin and when we sin, we confess our sin he forgives us our sin we're thankful right that God forgives us and and restores us in repentance and we're able to go on and then he said this is how they're going to know you belong to me the way you love each other now that's a challenging thing for us we need to consider many of us are struggling we talked about this multiple times I'm not going to beat it into the ground but we struggle in bitterness we struggle in unforgiveness and we really need to lay those things down at the foot of the cross, uh, forgive, let go of whatever thing you have against someone else that's poisoning you and holding you back from being what God wants you to be, and you allow God to be the judge. Last I checked, none of us are very good at it. I've been, anybody ever thought they knew something and judged it a certain way and found out later, oops, uh, didn't quite have all the pieces? Yeah, that's pretty common. So, so we should just let, that, let God have that job and, uh, and, and we'll find ourselves better for it. <laughs> the purpose that John wrote this letter, threefold, to encourage believers to grow. So we always need to be progressing, right? Everybody understand that? We always need to be progressing. I don't care what the world looks like and how much problems we're having. We always need to progress. We need to be moving toward Christ. We need to be moving toward Jesus. We need to be growing in love. We need to be growing in understanding. We need to be growing in the word. These things ought to be our normal state. So John is saying he wants us to grow. And then he exposed us to two things that are going to stop us from being able to grow. One of those is being so focused on things of the world that we lose our focus on Christ. That ever happened to anybody? So we get our eyes focused on something else, and, and the next thing we know, it's like, oh, something shiny. And we're looking at something shiny, and we forgot what we were doing. Oh, yeah, that was growing in Christ, remember? 
So he gave us a warning about worldliness. And then he, the second warning he gave us is to watch out for the spirit of Antichrist. That Antichrist means it's twofold. That word can mean in opposition to or in place of. You guys get what I'm saying? So in opposition to something, in opposition to Christ, we see that a lot of places, but also those things that would take the place of Christ. All of that is the spirit of Antichrist. And he, so he warns the body. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. That's where John is when he writes this letter. <laughs> We're going to talk about that at the end. And as he's writing this letter, he's saying, look, I want you to be aware of the dangers of worldliness. I want you to be aware that there's a spirit of Antichrist out there that wants to deceive you, but you need to grow. Keep his commandments, love one another. So this is John's focus. He talked about the purity of love, the practice of love. And now in chapter four, he circles back around to the idea of deception. He says in 1 John 4, 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Now, the concept is John is talking about false teachers in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He, he, he hints about them. He doesn't really get too in-depth about them other than to say there are people who are teaching and saying the Holy Spirit has told me. And the, the, the response of the church is supposed to be to test and see if that statement is true and not just be gullible and buy it. Have you ever been fooled by someone who proclaimed themselves to be a follower of Christ only to find out that that was a game? The Bible says to test the spirits. In other words, we want to understand, is this something, is this thing that I'm hearing from God or is this from the flesh or is this from uh, mankind or from the devil or in opposition to God? What is the spirit behind this thing I'm hearing. And the problem within the church is a lack of spiritual discernment. We need spiritual discernment. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, earlier I said we ought to leave the judging to God. God's the one who decides what happens to someone. They're good or not good. They make it. They don't make it. That's God's job. You and I, we are to judge whether or not something is from God or not from God. Whether something is good for me and my growth and my development in Christ or something that's going to hold me back from growing and becoming who Christ wants me to be. That we are to do. And the Bible calls that this, test the spirits. Test and see <laughs> is this message, in these days, in the last two years, have you heard opposing views? You know, since, since uh, the outbreak of, of COVID, which obviously is real, true, I have very close friends who were devastated by COVID and, and some who are still in the hospital and going through it. I know it's real. It's a real thing. <clears throat> I also know that I don't think there's any way we can totally isolate ourselves so that we never come in contact with it. But I also know that there are about 300 different messages out there about what to do and how to do that, right? 
And in any of that, is, is the Lord speaking through any of that? And if he is, what are we as a church supposed to do? Test the spirit. Is this from God or not? Don't just believe it because your favorite politician says it or your favorite guy on YouTube you like to watch or your favorite news channel that you like to watch. <coughs> God's people, anybody else feel like they're smoking a pack of cigarettes today? <laughs> Man, I got back to Idaho and it's like, Lord have mercy, the world's on fire, I left. At least the church isn't on fire, but the seems like everything else is. Anyways, we want to we want to be able to be men and women who are able to have uh, the gift of discernment. What is what is God's path for me through this? Those are important things to ask ourselves, isn't it? We as a people, believers, followers of Christ, have for too long been too lazy about our faith. The Bible gives us very clear directions on how to do things. And we have streamlined things and made things so easy that we start to lose our way because we're not doing it God's way. What has, what has the Lord told us to do? We want to be those who are able to test it. Now, the word spirits used multiple ways in the, in the word of God to infer to different things. Angels, humans, life, believers, demons. All of these things throughout the scripture. And the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, about a gift, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit called the discerning of spirits. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, to another, he gives the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Is this from God or not? Is that important? Just because somebody stands behind a cross and says something doesn't mean they speak for God, right? Paul said the Bereans were more noble <clears throat> than, than others because they received the word with all readiness and then they, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Just because I say something, that, that's, not, that's not God's voice. It doesn't mean it can't be. But we are to discern that. We are to distinguish. Is this God's challenge for us? And so he wants us to test them, right? Test the spirits. That means to examine them. And we have a, this word used another time by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, <clears throat> which I think will help us understand what does it mean to test? What is, how does he want us to do that? In 1 Corinthians 3, <clears throat> speaking about the Bema Seat judgment of God, I got a monster, babe. You want me to have one? Are you tired of listening to me choke? Thanks, honey. But you didn't give me the water. Watch, here's proof, just in case nobody's ever seen it. There, I drink water. <clears throat> okay, 1 Corinthians 3, talking about the Bema Seat judgment. This is a judgment that every believer will have when they stand before Jesus Christ. When, when, if, if we die, if we're raptured, we stand before the Lord. He's going to judge what we've done. He's going to test and examine our lives and see how that has worked out. Listen to how he describes it, Paul, 
in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. Fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So the Lord describes testing or, or examining as taking something and passing it through a fire. Like, for example, gold becomes more pure through fire, right? There are things that are more purified as a result. There are other things that just are burned by it. And that turns out that was nothing. If something's wood, hay, or stubble, it just burns away. If something's precious and real, it'll pass through the fire. So we need to test the spirits. We need to test them. We need to understand what is being said to know whether or not something is from God. So as we look at it, we go, okay, then the reason is many false prophets have gone into the world. Everyone who claims to speak for the Lord is not speaking for the Lord. Amen? Everybody, they can't be because we're not all saying the same thing. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah? We're not all saying the same thing. So where is the voice of God in the message? We want to be able to understand that. Paul or John writes in 2 John verse 7, he says, Many deceivers have gone into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and antichrist. 2 Peter, Peter also in chapter 2, 1 through 3 says this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even, design, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. <coughs> and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about some of the scripture that, dis that discusses false teachers. But you guys know this subject is everywhere in the Bible, right? It's everywhere. There's not a book that is not in some way going to refer to a false teacher, a false prophet, someone who pretended to speak for God, who didn't speak for God. And the challenge is you and I, as believers, we have a responsibility to know the difference, to be able to recognize the voice of our Savior. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? He said, my sheep will be confused and never know when I speak. Is that what he said? What did he say in John 10? My sheep will know my voice. Huh, interesting, right? So we, we need to be men and women who understand and recognize the false from the true. He goes on in verse 2, 1 John 4, to say this. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world already. So he begins with the idea of the illumination of the Holy Spirit. This is how you will know the illumination of the Holy Spirit. This is how you will understand <clears throat> the voice of God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writing about this concept, 
Uh, you should be familiar with this verse, although you, you probably haven't used it in this context before, but this is actually the context in which it's written. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, It is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, the heart, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You guys have heard that before, right? What is he talking about? He's talking about the Spirit of God revealing God's voice. That's what he's talking about. You, you don't always recognize it. Your eye can't see it. Your ear can't hear it. The things that God has prepared for you. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So you might think, I know, I know. Me and Kathy have been married 34 years. And she is pretty sure she knows what I'm thinking. And she is often pretty close. She's pretty close. 35 years, sorry. <laughs> she raised her hand and I thought, what, you're going to yell at me right now in church for saying? <laughs> really? 35 years? Uh, okay, I'll pay for that later. <coughs> but we don't know the thoughts in someone else. But that person's spirit, he does, right? You know what you're thinking. I know what I'm thinking. We want to know the heart of God. Well, what knows the heart of God? The spirit of God. You get what I'm saying? So it's the Holy Spirit that reveals these things. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpre interpreting spiritual truths with those who are spiritual. You see, the natural man cannot do this. We don't do this apart from the Holy Spirit. We do this because of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord to instruct him? What we have, the mind of Christ. So as a believer, we are armed with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us. And I often say when people tell me, I really want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, I can tell you this. God wants you to know his will even more than you want to know it. He wants you to know. And that will is understood one, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, by the confession of Jesus Christ. In fact, we have John's confession laid out right here. He says, those who confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ, this is the confession that John is talking about. The reality of the incarnation, the fact that the word of God... In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was? Became flesh and dwelt among us. The reality of the incarnation, there was a true union between the Word of God, God himself, the Son of God, with the human personality, which is Jesus Christ. The confession that Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. What did Jesus say he was? John 1, 1 through 3. He is the word of God. 
He was face to face with God. He is God. He is the creator of all things. Not one thing was made that he did not make. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. There, you and I don't have glory. God has that. The kabod of God or the shekinah, the weight or the brightness that, that is God himself. We have seen his glory. The glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. John 1.18 says, no one has seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, face to face with God, has made him known. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. God in the flesh. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy this. 1 Timothy 3.16, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus Christ, he was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This is the confession of Jesus Christ. Paul also talks about this. Paul says there is a confession. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand, no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit of God. There is a confession that we make. <laughs> not, <clears throat> I believe Jesus existed. That's not a confession. A confession, when we confess with our mouth, we're saying, Homologeo, I agree with what Christ said. He is who he said he is. He said, before Abraham ever existed, I already was. That's eternal. He said, unless you believe I am eternal God, you will die in your sin. Those are in John 8. He is making this confession. So how do we know the spirit of truth? One, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit who is within us. How did he get there? By our confession of Jesus Christ. I confess. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. He is the Word of God made flesh. The confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Some people will argue. I don't, I don't know that there's a... a a differentiation. Now, um, we can argue about it, I guess, if people want to. Some people will say, well, I believe Jesus is my Lord, but he, or I believe Jesus is my Savior. He saved me, but he was not my Lord until such and such a time. And I, I don't know if you can make that distinction or not. He is Lord and Savior. Those, those two things. He saves and he is king, right? The creator of all things. We sang so many incredible songs today about his worthiness for what he has done. The Lord of hosts is his name. Yahweh Sabaoth. The, the God of the angel armies. You've heard that probably before. That's the same phrase. Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth. Man, he is worthy of our praise. Well, so if we have these two things, the confession of Jesus Christ and 
the illumination of the Holy Spirit, then we should be able to understand the identity of the false. And the Bible gives us the tests. How can you discern true from false? Listen, this is people, people fall into this trap all the time. Let me spare you from this trap. Here's the trap they fall into. Well, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and the Holy Spirit, I, I got the burning of the bosom. I feel like you're speaking the truth, therefore it's true. There's nowhere in the Bible says to do that. That's not what the Bible says to do. If that's an examination, that's not an examination. That's a test. That's not a test. That's, that is what Paul declared. Beware, the day will come when they will no longer endure sound teaching. But men will pile up for themselves teachers that will scratch their ears. Which means, I, give me the message I want to hear. Be funny. Entertain me. Jackie, you're boring. You're too boring. I fall asleep in church all the time. No, I want, to, I want you to grow in the understanding of the word. How is it that we test? How can we know? We hold up the word of God, right? And we hold up what is being said. And if it's of God, oh, they match. And if they don't match, no matter how much you like them, no matter how pretty they are, no matter how wonderful they sound, they are not speaking for God. How many times did the Lord say, did, were the kings of Israel fooled because the false prophets said, oh, don't worry about it, God's going to deliver you. And yet the true prophet of God is saying, what are you talking about? You've got to repent. This is God's judgment coming. Unless you repent, the nation's going to come and you're going to go into captivity. Oh, don't listen to that guy. Jeremiah has always been crazy. Ezekiel's always been crazy. Isaiah's always been crazy. You, I want you to understand that in the days of yore, the prophet would come into Israel and he would prophesy and the people would get angry and they would kill him. And then after he was dead, they would take and they would build a giant monument and they would lay him there and they would talk about him after he died. What a great man he was. Jesus said that. You are like your fathers who killed the prophets and built monuments for them. But you never listened to a word they said. How do we know? Here are the characteristics of the false prophet. What he predicts does not come to pass. Number two, he will lead you astray. Number three, he denies the deity of Christ. Number four, he is known for greed and covetousness. Number five, he will turn grace into lasciviousness. Uh, number six, he practices an ungodly lifestyle. Number seven, he prophesies lies about the Lord speaking to him. He says, thus saith the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. Uh, next, he manifests evil fruit in his life. And finally, he will use the miraculous to deceive. It will be big and flashy. And no one will say, ah, that was subpar. No, they'll say, ooh. That was pretty cool. Here are where these tests come from. Deuteronomy chapter 13, 1 through 5. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams rises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and then he says, 
Let us go after other gods which you have not known and serve them. Do not listen to him. He is not from me. So though he does this great thing, it's amazing, it's flashy, everybody's into it. They say, wow, we saw something spiritual happen. But he tries to lead you after other gods. He is not from the Lord. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord or not. If you love the Lord, you'll know him. And you should recognize his voice. He goes on. Verse 5, but that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be cut off, put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord. Deuteronomy 18, 20 and 22, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet should be cut off, cut off, he shall die. And if you say in your heart, how will we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if it does not happen, it is not me. There's a, a fella, I don't know that he's still around anymore. I can't keep up I, I, with him. Harold Campen, you guys, is he alive still? Is he standing before the Lord yet? Every day, he would, every day, every year, he would say, the Lord told me he's coming this year. He'd buy billboards. The Lord is coming. His return, he's going to return this year. Over and over and over and over and over again. And I was always amazed. Why does anybody listen to this guy? He's been wrong every time. But yet people would listen. Because as believers, we're not always understanding that the word of God is saying, look, if it doesn't happen, if he prophesies and it don't happen, he's not speaking for God. God's not wrong. Ezekiel 13, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophet who follows their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets are like jackals among ruins, Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle at the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their word. This is a warning against those who say, you know what the Lord told me? When the Lord hasn't spoke. We throw those words around a lot. I, I do too. I've said them. I said them because I sincerely believe something is what God is doing or how God is moving. But we ought to be more clear. Because the Bible teaches us that the one who says... The Lord told me when the Lord didn't tell you is false. We should be careful. Don't say those words. The Lord told me. Unless the Lord has told you. The Lord did tell Ezekiel things. I know because Ezekiel was mute. And when the Lord spoke to him, he could speak. And then he was mute again until the Lord spoke to him again. We see scripture throughout the, the prophets declaring their vision of the Lord. So we want to be careful. Don't throw those words around. You can say, you know, I've prayed and I really think this would be God's direction for your life. It's my, it's my opinion. That's different than thus saith the Lord, right? We need to be very careful about that. Very careful. Very careful. 
Don't say, thus saith the Lord. This is what they said, uh, Ezekiel said, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, and I am against you, declares the Lord. I don't want to be in a place where God's against me. Do you? No. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's, let's beware. Jude 4 says, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So Jude, warning about false teachers. Remember those characteristics of false teachers? They trade the, the grace of God into lasciviousness, sensuality, doesn't really matter what you do, just love God. There's a lot of those messages going around right now. A lot of those. But God's word is clear. God's word is clear. We can recognize it. Jude also says in verse 18 and 19, they have said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division. Worldly people devoid of the spirit. So there will be people in your midst who try to divide. Yes, there always are. There will be people in your midst who are trying to divide. They are scoffers who are following their own desires. Not God's desires. It's ungodly desires. Here's how you know. One of the great ways for us to kind of anchor ourselves down. And my, are my desires godly or ungodly? Well, the psalmist tells us. Love the Lord your God. And he will give you the desires of your heart. You want godly desires, love God, and you will have godly desires. If you want worldly desires, love the world, and you will have worldly desires. You get the difference? So we don't want to have ungodly. We want to be able to understand what's the Bible telling us. Beware of false prophets. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets. So even Jesus, right, he's saying, hey, these guys are going to come. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, right? Jesus said you should be able to tell them why. How are you going to distinguish one another? Well, Jesus had already told us in John 13, he said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Don't forget that. Here he says, you will be able to judge your fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? He's saying that they're not a fruitful plant. They're a thorny plant. They're a plant you don't want to be near. Like, oh, I don't I go stand next to that person. I always get poked with something. He says, be aware. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's useless. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. You'll recognize them. Matthew 24, 24. For false Christ, false prophets will arise, perform great signs and wonders, and lead astray, if possible, even the very elect. So they got a great show, and they have a large following. It's not a popularity contest. Do you know how many people? There were, there were, there were groups and groups and groups, massive people that would come to John the Baptist. There were hundreds or 
thousands that might gather for something that Ezekiel would say or Jeremiah would say. But that's small in comparison to the ones who will come to the one who gives them the message they want to hear. You can feel, it's not hard to, to grow a church. You can go take classes at any number of, of college uh, Bible colleges that say, here's how to grow a church. Get a really good uh, uh, worship team. Uh, sing all the songs that are super popular. Do all this stuff. Do, set it up this way. Do it like this. Do it like that. You teach the Bible, but don't, don't get into any subjects that, that are too inflammatory. And you can build a, a great church full of people who are not growing who are stymied because they're standing under someone who's not speaking for God. We need to be able to know the difference. Luke 6, 26, Jesus said, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so did their fathers of the false prophets. Woe to you when everybody loves you. Jesus said, You are either for me or... And if we stand for Christ, the world will hate you. So if the world loves you, your colors aren't clear. We have a tendency to want to live in a world of chameleons where we, we're, we're, we're not offensive to anyone. And so we're, we can be liked by everyone. And we need to abolish that ideology from our minds. You need to make the choice to stand with Christ and for who he is and what he said. And stand there no matter what they throw at you. And they will hate the message. Because they don't, they've already rejected him. This is the place where we need to want to be. Look, listen to the result in verse 4 of John 4. Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you have the confession of Christ, the illumination of the Spirit, you understand that the word of God gives us the test through which, the fire through which we can pass the teachings or the sayings or whatever things there are out there through the word of God and see what comes out, what doesn't come out, if it's okay, it's not okay. And you don't have to be afraid. We live in a fearful world right now. We live in a fearful world. I just traveled from here all the way to North Carolina and back. And I can tell you this, there are a lot of people who are afraid. But I see a common thread in the believers that I bump into all along the way. And that thread is, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. What doesn't mean I won't be hungry or that when I go to buy something at the grocery store, there won't be any there. It doesn't mean that difficult times aren't coming, that economic crashes aren't on the horizon somewhere. But it does mean that I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he is able to keep me. 
and I trust him. I trust the Lord and what he has for me. Little children, you are from God. You have confessed Jesus Christ. You do have the Holy Spirit. You are able to discern the voice of God from the voice of the lie. And greater is he who is in you. You say, I don't know if I can do this, Lord. I don't know if I can deal with this. You can. You can. You are able because Christ is able. Here's what he says about the world in verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. The world loves the message of the world. And if the world loves the message of the person that you are following on Facebook or on YouTube, the pastor that you like to listen to, or the guy that you're tuning into, if the world loves him, be careful. Because the message of the world and the message of Christ are at odds with one another. They're not the same. They are in opposition. This is what Jesus taught us. They're from the world, so the world loves them. Verse 6, we are from God. The lines are drawn. You can't sit on a fence. You guys know the story, right? The devil owns a fence. That ain't God's. You are either with me, Jesus said, or against me. If you're with me, you're with all of it. Even the stuff people don't like to look at. There are so many things the Bible teaches that are unpopular right now, that are illegal to say in countries around the world, that one day will be illegal to say here. But you don't change the message. You choose the one you're standing with. The world or Christ? The world or Christ? Don't be confused that they're the same message. They are not. They are different. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. They will not receive the word of God. I, I know people who are not saved, and I sit down and I tell them what the Bible says. Counseling, I have them innumerable amounts of counseling with couples well, one who's saved and one who's not. I tell them what the Bible says. What does the unbeliever tell me? I don't care what the Bible says. And usually I say, it's kind of weird that you're coming to counseling with me. <laughs> I'm not going to do, I don't do worldly marriage counseling. I do biblical counseling. I, the Bible, the Bible says, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church, period. I don't care what she done at all. I don't care. That's the commandment. Keep his commandments, right? Wives, be submitted to your husbands. I don't care. That's what the Bible says. But I don't like it. I don't care about that either. There's a lot of things I don't like. I, I wish that, that the Bible didn't have certain commands in it, but it does. And so, I stand with the Lord. This is what God says. This is where we stand. This is a problem in the church today because there are a lot of messages out there that are so watered down they are no longer, they no longer contain anything true in them at all. And they're super appealing to everyone. And all that is 
is eating junk food is going to kill you. Over and over and over. That stuff is going to put you to sleep. Where Paul would say, wake up, church. What are you doing? John, in talking to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, you guys got to get on it. You got to really understand the line between the false and the true. And you need to really focus on that. And so he delivered this message. And he told them also, right, during a long, we've already read those words, you got to love each other. You got to love one another and you got to understand true from the false. You got to love one another, you got to understand true from the false. This is a message he spoke to Ephesus. In 95, John wrote another book. It's called The Book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. In that book, there are seven letters to seven churches. The very first one is to the church at Ephesus where John lived out his life. And the record from Jesus to the church at Ephesus is this. In Revelation 2, verse 2, he says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. So they heard the message, right? They heard the message. They got on the, on the ball about what was true and what's not true. And they, they tested apostles, people who said they had a word from the Lord, and they tested them, and they found those who were false, and they dealt with that, and they found those who were true. This is a commendation, from Jesus Christ to the church at Ephesus. That's pretty cool, right? You guys know the end of the story, don't you? And found them to be false. I know you are patiently, you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So they're standing with Christ, yeah? They're saying, I'm standing with Christ in an unpopular world. That was the church at Ephesus. And I'm recognizing the false from the true. You're doing that really well. You have not grown weary. But I have this against you. What, what does it feel like to hear those words from Jesus? I have this against you. I have no doubt on the day that I stand before Christ, covered in his blood, eternally saved, that there will be a phrase from Christ that starts with, but I have this against you. I'm not perfect. And I love him. I love him with all my heart. But there are times I fail. There are times that I struggle. There are hard things that we all go through in life. I don't want to live lazily so that I have to hear those words because of my own weakness, unwillingness to apply myself? The church has grown somewhat lazy. Well, you read your Bible every day? You pray. 
every day. That, that's just the basics. If, if we're not doing the basics, are we contending earnestly for the faith? Are we interceding for those people we're upset with and just praying with groanings and utterings that can't be understood because we so want God to move and work in their life that we are so moved to prayer that is that who we are? We may be like Ephesus where we'll stand with Christ and we may be like Ephesus where I know the false from the true. But here's what the Lord says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at the first. You have left your first love. In order to maintain these things that we're talking about, this requires a diligent spirit, a diligent desire to be pleasing to the Lord, not lazy. It's hard to sit in a lazy boy at home, watch the news and say, man, I'm being persecuted, right? <laughs> That's not persecution. That's relaxation. Those are two very different things. We need to understand this message from John to the church at Ephesus bears record to us because we need to be discerning of what messages from God. And we need to make the choice. I want to stand with Christ in a world that's in opposition to him. I want to stand with Christ and I do not want to abandon my first love. I do not want to abandon the love that Jesus declared is poured out in my life. Romans 5. This love of God poured into my life by the Holy Spirit by which I'm able to love my enemies. By which I'm able to love my neighbor. By which I'm able to love the brethren. My dad used to tell me, son, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And I'm not telling you this is how you get saved. No. You get saved by confessing the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how you get holy. This is how you draw near to God. This is how you stand in such close proximity with him that it's hard to tell where he starts and you, and you stop. It's, it's wanting to be like Christ, no? Isn't that the goal? Isn't it, I, I want to be like him. I want to love like Jesus. I want to be able to say things like Jesus did. I want to have the right word in the right time at the right season. I want to be able to express all these things. And we sit around and we, we wait for someone to come over with a, with a magic wand and sprinkle pixie dust on our head and go, La-da! there you go, you're... you're perfected but the walk walking with Christ requires discipline to be disciplined in prayer to be disciplined in the word to be disciplined to seek his face to be disciplined to understand the voices which ones are from him to be disciplined to love each other and to not get so focused on all the other things that we forget that one. Became abundantly clear to me. Being gone for three weeks was too long. Because I love you guys. 
I want to be where you are. I want to share life with you. I'm hoping someday I can move out of my trailer and back into my house and have potluck at the pastor's house. I'm hoping those days are coming before winter. We'll see. Because I like spending time with you. And I, I hope that we will develop as a family this desire to be with one another. That we have this desire to help strengthen one another in the raising of our kids, to help strengthen one another through walking through difficult times, to help strengthening one another because we're bound together like family in Christ Jesus. And we don't abide to false. We stand in the true and we love each other through it. This is the message from John to Ephesus. And I pray that this is the message we can hear from John to us. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you have done with us. We thank you for the gift of your son which washes away my sin, my wretchedness. For though I was blind, you have given me sight. And I see the beauty, the majesty, the glory of God. And I, and I want that. I want to honor you and glorify you and live for you in this world that I struggle. I struggle sometimes with, with, with caring too much about the world or, or maybe just wanting the world to like me. And sometimes I want the world to like me so much that I don't say the thing I ought to have said. But I don't often think, well, what did Jesus think of that? Well, Jackie, you say you love me with all your heart. Why would you not stand up and say that before the world? I remember that day. I remember the day many years ago that I remained silent when I should have spoke. And Jesus, he just lovingly said to me, why are you ashamed of me? I am not ashamed of you. And I repented. God, forgive me for that failure. I want the words of my mouth to be precious to your ears. I want the deeds that I do to be precious to your eyes. I want the way I live to honor you, God, not to make everyone around me happy first. I want to live a life that honors you. I want to hear your words, and I want to know the difference. When a man stands up and says, I have a message from God, I want to line that up with what the Word of God says and say, is this really from you, Lord? I want to say the things that please you. 
I want to have a marriage that honors you. I want to have children who look to you as their hope. I want to have grandchildren who grow up in the knowledge of the Lord because we had our eyes set beyond one generation. I want to look so far down the line and say, as I live this life, as I, as I follow the Lord, I want my life to set the foundation for generation after generation after generation to come. I don't want to be short-sighted anymore. Lord, we want to honor you, glorify you, magnify your name so God I pray that your word would find fruitful place in our life that you would help us become more and more disciplined day by day that we might grow in our knowledge of you in the knowledge of your word in recognizing truth from error but that we would not lose our love the love that God has poured out in our life not only for us to love God, but to love our neighbor and to love our enemy. I know that the only way to achieve this is dependence upon you, dependence upon your spirit, dependence upon your word, dependence upon that which you have given me. God, help us focus these days we live in they're tumultuous and they're a little scary sometimes but they are days that you knew before there were any of them and you know the way through teach us to trust you and to follow you with all our heart to say like well, like we sang there's nowhere else I'd rather go I will go to the Lord of hosts I will follow him he's my king my savior my friend and I want to live a life that honors him so God be glorified in this place be magnified here may your presence move among us may we sense you, hear you, feel you, and be challenged to grow. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ.